Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Rob, how's it going? It's going well, thank you. I was, uh, Sue and I were just speaking beforehand. Uh, she's been here 10 years, 10 years with National MI. That's a good tenure. Well, I, I was I the first National MI customer ever? If not, lie to me. My ego is very fragile. Yes, absolutely. Even before we had Fannie Freddie approval, Rich signed up. He had faith in us and um, what I was representing. We got a master policy. and I almost got fired from the bank I was at for suggesting uh, signing up. <laughs> it didn't have uh, GSE approval yet, but it was, uh, yeah, no. Uh, but That's Sue funny. and I- I, I got to keep my job because you signed up. Because <laughs> that was like- So, so Rich- um, you know, you want to banter, but people are logging on not to hear your banter, but to hear Sue and talk about current topics. But I wanted to ask Sue, what is your elevator speech about what you do at National MI? How do you explain your job? Oh, that we are contributing to affordable home ownership, making the American dream happen. No, you. You. Oh, <laughs> just me, not not our company. Um, I could be... I was going to try to use a football reference. I won't use any current Steelers players because I know that's going to come up. But... Well, we won't be talking about Kenny Pickett's hand size. Don't worry. <laughs> um, how about I could say I'm the the Tom Brady of MI. How about that? Oh, all right. Well, he, if, <laughs> you could argue his performance this year. You may not want to be. It, uh, See, maybe somebody the... agrees with me in the chat. I saw a goat come up. Yeah, I, you know, I'm. Tom Brady's been proving me, me wrong my entire life, uh, including when he went to Tampa and won a Super Bowl. So I, I've got a lot of respect for him. But uh, what about uh, and seeing the chat is already flowing early. And as always, we encourage uh, the interaction in the chat. Those, And I guess uh, let's go ahead and get into the intro. So first off, welcome, everybody, to a very special edition of The Rundown with Robin Rich. This is the 12 days of TMC concluding edition of the rundown. Um, this is the final episode of three weeks of virtual programming. I think we had 40 some sessions, um, almost 3000 registered people, uh, almost all the sessions with uh, up over 150 people live. Um, so just a really cool thing we're doing at the end of the year. We do special editions of this show where we bring in special people we love. And uh, today uh, to that end, uh, well, somebody that's one of my best friends in the mortgage industry going way back. So was very excited to make this happen. But also the person that manages our relationship uh, with one of our great partners, National MI, their overlord of uh, sales and uh, marketing and business development, Sue Schaefer. Sue, great to see you. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for that nice introduction and for your, your friendship and partnership over the years. It means a lot to me, really. So thank you. And I was not kidding. I mean, I remember Sue coming to me like, oh, I just took this new job, new MI. I just, you know, the same thing I was doing to people when I we started yeah. to be like, I need you to believe in me. Um, but what a great run it's been now, 10 years, uh, NMI. We've had a great partnership for some years now. Um, and it's just great to see, you know, it's the anytime there's a new MI company, and I've seen a few of them, it's it's tough. It's t- it is very tough industry, a tough nut to crack. Now a decade in to see you guys so solid, so established, uh, doing a lot of cool and creative things in the industry, 
uh, one of the really philanthropic leaders as well um, in the mortgage industry and uh, just a company I admire in a lot of different ways, your leadership, the way you guys do business. And uh, it's been a great partnership, very culturally aligned with TMC. And uh, we get to work together, which makes it even better. Definitely. So thank you for that. And we appreciate the partnership. We love being a part of it. I know that Fitz kicked off um, Julia Gordon on the opening keynote for 12 days. And um, at first we were thinking, this is FHA, where am I? And I'm like, we complement each other. This matchup of him doing the introduction. So thank you. What was that? What's Did that? you guys hear something? Was that your, uh, you don't have your sound people with you? No, they're, they're downstairs having pizza. <laughs> and failed to mention in all the uh, holiday hubbub and chit-chat, uh, my esteemed colleague and co-host, Rob Crisman. Rob, it looks like you're in the Chicago location. I'm in the Chicago Metroplex. Love it. And uh, yeah, the Chicago, Chicago studios here with the... Uh, <clears throat> the, the snow, the snowing. I, I did want to do it outside, but the snow would have been uh, uh, worse than last week at the shores of Lake Tahoe. It's uh, it's pretty cold out there, but it's nice to be here. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and uh, get into it. And as always, should know by now, uh, your interaction, chat, Q&A, welcome, appreciated. We love it. We'll incorporate it. So bring it on. Rob. Um, you know, we're always leading talking about these not really mortgage specific stuff, but broader economy stuff, because, you know, just a large degree, it's kind of pushed our industry to the sideline and some big numbers in the week since our last episode, the best inflation number in a long time um, on Thursday of last week. And, um, you know, I just did the year in review session before this one. So I, I was reminded in going through the year chronologically that we got one of these in August. Uh, we called it the the fleeting glimmer of hope. August, where rates dropped, and we got a bad jobs number. We got a good inflation number. Now the next month it reversed, and we got sent into the the interest rate vortex of hell as we went into the fourth fall and the winter. But this is what we have gotten in the last week: um, is we got a very good inflation number, and we got a bad retail sales number like way worse than expected for November. Um, so at least to me, what that does is it at least creates the baseline for a more favorable business climate in the short to medium term. But it's all about these subsequent numbers that we get in the coming months, correct? There's always something in the future to look forward to that, uh, you know, the, the Fed comes out and Jack's rates up a half a percent, and within five minutes, the the talking heads, the pundits, the economists, the analysts, the financial press is already talking about what are they going to do next. And so, you're right. I mean, there's always a number to look at in the future. We are coming up on the holidays, so things get things become very quiet. In fact, look looking at my email, things are things are pretty quiet already. We've got two two weeks of quietness and a lot of companies are taking next Friday off or next Monday off after Christmas. And then you have the New Year's uh, holiday, which is over the weekend and the same kind of thing. Are they going to take Friday off? Or are they going to take Monday off? So in terms of Wall Street and bond market investors, 
broker dealers, you know, you're you're dealing with a lot of staff that is potentially uh, uh, less experienced, uh, short staffed, whatever it might be. There are investors out there who are happy with their positions heading into year end. And so things become very quiet in the capital markets. But you're right, Rich, we've got, you know, we always end up with conflicting information. And really the the Federal Reserve, you know, look, shooting for that soft landing. And I think there's a conflict right now because the Fed officials, including Jerome Powell, are out there talking about, look, we're going to keep raising rates. Markets, you don't believe us? Just watch. And there's an old adage in capital markets, you don't fight the Fed. And so we will see what happens. Everyone obviously is rooting for the Fed to have a soft landing. And that would be nice because nobody wants a lot of unemployment. Nobody wants a recession. But it's it's very tough to do. So you're right. There's conflicting information that's come out. There will be more information in the future, especially as we get into January and for right now, I think rates could rates could chop around here, not only through the end of the year, but maybe into the first quarter uh, in terms of 30-year rates. So as always, we'll see what happens. But I want to ask Sue in terms of, uh, you know, Sue, what, what you're seeing out there in terms of, you know, the MI world, you have really do have your finger at National MI on kind of the pulse. You're, you're, you're seeing these things unfold firsthand. And, uh, you know, we, Rich and I talk a lot about increasing credit costs, for example, or delinquency and fraud and so forth. Uh, what are you seeing that's specific to the MI world that viewers slash listeners might be interested in? What are you seeing fraud pick up? Are you seeing a lot of buybacks? Are you seeing companies on the ropes? What are you, what are you seeing out there? Well, a little bit of all of that. So none of these will come as a surprise to anybody because what we see comes directly from the lenders. But one thing in particular that we saw right away when volume slowed down was in the the non-delegated MI space where a lender is not using their delegated underwriting authority, we're getting a lot more challenging loans. These are loans that that a LO otherwise would not have spent time working on in in 2021, but now that volume is so slow, they need to try to make anything stick. So we're seeing a lot of that. We also are hearing feedback from lenders as we talk to various lenders. And um, I have one in particular, that's one of the, the nation's largest lenders and servicers. And they mentioned that um, the buyback activity is primarily around undisclosed debt. So that seems to be, well, there's not what I'm going to put in quotes, fraud, it is kind of because they have borrowers that are attesting to not incurring any new debt when in fact they come back and, and find out that there in fact was. And that is a very common theme that I've been hearing about from a variety of lenders. How, how can, it seems like so much of our lives are tracked now. Everybody knows where everybody is all the time you know, the phone, you can, you can hook up your kids uh, phone to your phone and you can yeah. track their every movement. You know, there's all kinds of financial information that's on everybody out there. How can somebody not disclose a debt that, and it's not caught until after the loan funds? 
Yeah. How Instagram should come up with some kind of report maybe that we could get data to because it seems that if let's just say they were looking at buying a new car and, and if they're on the BMW Instagram page, there's some reporting there. Instagram, holler at the financial industry. We might need to buy some of that data because you're right. Um, and I was, I was reading also a statistic around shopping on social media and uh, Gen Z spends about three hours a day on social media and they're doing a lot of their shopping that way too. And I thought that that was interesting, but you're right. We, sh- with all, all of the, the, the monitoring tools that are available to us, somehow they get missed and, and, and lenders are paying for that undisclosed debt monitoring as a part of their, their bundle price from whoever they're buying their credit reports from, which as you mentioned earlier, the fees for that are going up astronomically next year. And or what are they getting for it? I mean, not that it doesn't work sometimes, but. And I mean, like just part of the mortgage industry is so cyclical and just the way these things work, right? Let's think about how this works, right? Fannie and Freddie are government run organizations, right? They're desperate to eventually get them out from under the, out from under the government thumb even though I would argue that might not be the best thing for all the reasons that politicians say they should do that for. They've taken on record amounts of volume the last two years. They're trying to recapitalize those companies. You know, it's, they're of course going to push back on loans that they've purchased and, you know, try to get lenders to, you know, buy back loans that don't 100% uh, meet the guidelines. And in this case, Sue, because we've heard the same thing from our members, it's loans that are performing, loans yeah. that are lately seasoned. It's loans with, you know, either, you know, somebody bought something after the application and, you know, the the, the undisclosed debt monitoring didn't pick it up or they don't have that. Um, so, you know, to me right now for lenders, it's really, really important to, you know, to understand that risk and to understand how to professionally push back against it because for smart companies, very, very few of those end up becoming repurchases. Yeah, I would agree. And there's even been instances where MI actually has helped. I I had a loan that we QC'd and it had this exact scenario occur, but because the borrower reached their their terms of rescission rescission relief with National MI, we kept coverage in place. It may have still been a buyback for the lender because Fannie or Freddie pushed it back, but at least it still had MI on it at that point. And selling it scratch and dent is going to get them a better price with MI than without. So um, for everybody that's on the call that thinks, you know, mortgage insurance isn't worth it, holler at your girl. I'll I'll tell you how it is. (laughs) So Sue, let me ask you this, something I've always wondered about. And and, and you need to take your national MI hat off briefly. Okay. Just this is Robin Sue chatting at the local barbecue pit. The loans that come through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Sometimes you you mentioned a verb there, QC'd. We are QCing, they QC'd, we QC, they QC. How many loans do Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac look at? What would be a guess that you would say they undergo a full QC audit. Once again, this is you. It's not national yeah. MI. It's not, I know it's off the record. Pretend it's just you and me. It's not, it's not a hundred percent. 
Initially. No, I think it's probably a small percentage of the overall volume. Although I do think it has increased since overall volume has decreased. And I think they have the time or whatever the, the staffing that warrants them to, to look through files, request files from lenders, what have you. I see Mike, I don't know anything for a fact. My guess is it's an algorithm of like yeah. your lender stats, like how good of a lender are you? What has your history been on delinquencies and you know other remediations? And the climate though, as I think the bigger, because like right now, it's probably like how like credit cards look at like collections, right? We're just gonna throw all this stuff out there. And if we get 10 or 20% of it back, we'll be happy and it'll pay for it. You know, I think that's probably like you know the all this volume they've taken in and you know you just push back a little bit and you're going to find some stuff you'll get some lenders that don't have the right structures in place that'll just buy stuff back or won't fight things they should and but at least past cycles like this it seems like that's the way it is but i'm speculating and yeah. i will tell you with my mi hat back on that the agencies do report those those uh, buyback requests or repurchase demands to the MI companies. So once that that's all been settled with the lenders and they, they have their chance to respond. And if it, if it still in fact is a repurchase demand, your MI company is being notified by the agencies. So um, it's not something that we're necessarily always looking for because we do randomly QC also, but they're telling on you. So to the MI company, they're title telling to the MI. Sure, company. Yeah. absolutely. I I would imagine the the advances in technology. Technology is such a you know broad term out there, but the advances in technology allow more streamlined QCing, more reporting, and so forth and so on. Uh, so maybe they will get near a hundred percent through technology at some point, but. Uh, the technology angle, Sue, I wanted to bring up with you because the you know national MI and, and you do have a few lesser competitors out there, but uh, national MI, you do have a reputation for very good technology, and I wanted to get your thoughts on on why national MI has that reputation and, and what maybe are things that you are offering that clients aren't availing themselves to currently that you think, why aren't they using that? Well, thank you for that. I think being a startup company and um, having newer technology as a new entrant to the space is a big part of it. And when National MI formed a company, we were the first one to come out with enhanced rescission relief right off the bat in which now immediate rescission relief is available to any lender that chooses to participate in it. And we built our model around it. And for that reason, because we were equipped to handle it that way, it wasn't burdensome to us, which it could have been for some of the legacy companies. I don't want to speak for them, but um, just maybe a possibility. So for those reasons, I, I think we had an advantage and just being being a smaller company also has its advantages too. There's a lot of less, fewer layers of, of management to go through for decisions that need to be made on things that are costly, like technology. Technology does obviously cost money. I think probably every lender on this call is 
you know, that's probably one of the biggest expenses that they have and questions that they have, whether they're upgrading that, you know, going forward, especially when nobody's making money right now. Yeah. So what, and, and I know all the, I'll, yeah, I'll just be blunt. All the MI companies offer some similar things, you know, yeah. in terms of, of classes and so forth. But I know National MI University, I mean, you guys do have a good reputation there. But what are there things that if you were to, to be talking to a new client right now to National MI, if, if, if the audience was a new client and you were telling them, look, here, here's the top three things that we, that we do that can help you, what would those, what would those things be? The first and most important thing is going to be relative to counterparty risk. And that does speak to rescission relief, whether a lender opts in for early rescission relief or not. I think the way that we go about handling potential claims and the way we handle QC audits and things that come up, I think that we have a lot of flexibility that way. I know me personally as a sales rep get involved in loan level issues with customers. And I think a lot of our reps do that. So I think I think that's important. You need to have confidence because insurance is something that nobody really wants, but if you're using it, something's gone wrong. So when something's already going wrong, you want the easiest process to get to a claim payment. And, and I think that's what lenders really need to think about when they're doing business with an MI company. And, you know, technology has changed the way MI um, what the way that lenders select MI now in a lot of ways. So I think depending upon what, what you're doing at your shop, if you're if you have the technology to run best execution MI, you should probably be including me, national MI, and any any company that you're probably not doing business with. And Rich mentioned our um, philanthropic efforts which I think we're the only MI company that actively contributes to MBA Open Doors Foundation. I don't know. I'm sure you guys know what it is, but hopefully everybody on the call knows that the Mortgage Bankers Association has this foundation that if they're, if you are a homeowner with a mortgage with a critically ill child, that this directly goes to contributing to help you stay in your home. And that's something I'm really proud of about this company because we are contributing to the very group of people that allow us to earn a living. So why not be able to give back to those, you know, those same individuals? Companies. Uh, that's companies. Go ahead, Rich. I was just going to say, it's not MBA. I, honestly, the Open Doors Foundation is absolutely phenomenal. And anybody does not, is not aware of that or wants to help make a difference in our industry and for people tied to our industry that need help. Uh, you can find everything you need to know about MBA's Open Doors uh, program just by by Googling it. It is outstanding, and it's now linked in the chat. Thank you, Ryan Evans. So uh, this is the Rundown with Rob and Rich special 12 days of TMC concluding edition of the Rundown. And uh, this week, really pleased to be joined by National MI's uh, Vice President of National Accounts, Sue Schaefer. And, you know, getting back in for a second to just kind of like the national picture in America, because there was something of note in Jerome Powell's comments um, that uh, preceded the Fed uh, announcement this week 
just about the nature of our workforce and Rob and Sue wanted to get your guys' reaction to this. So some interesting comments, things we've talked about and things that we've surmised in the past uh, that Paul has not openly spoke about, at least not in this detail yet. Uh, it's the changing nature of the employment base in America. Two things he specifically mentioned is having huge impacts. One is less immigration in America. Just a lot of things that have happened over the last decade, far less immigrants coming into the country. That has really had an impact on lower priced labor and the cost of labor in general. Um, and then secondly, um, accelerated retirement is the word that he used. He specifically mentioned a lot of the people that had perished from COVID. So a lot of them would have been still in the workforce. Um, you know, other things he mentioned, just people retiring earlier, things he didn't mention that have been talked about by others, just as it relates to the changing employment picture in America, is people that are, you know, technically not full-time employed, but maybe there's they're they're hacking uh, flea market stuff on eBay and they're driving, you know, 10 hours a week for uh, DoorDash and they're doing some other kind of side hustle. So it's a very different employment. Baseball cards. Baseball, whatever. Yeah. So if you're a lender, the pool of people is diminished. Thus, you need to pay up a little bit. We see wage increases. It's a big part of the. It, if you really listen to Powell, and I've listened to him enough, like you could tell this is what really has him nervous. And uh, Rob, I don't know if you had any thoughts on, on any of that madness. No, the, uh, it, it is true, but, but the labor, is that a beer rich? I, I need to ask. I did the year in review session just before this one, which uh, definitely needed a, a few beverages actually to get through. Cause uh, it was a, it was a rough year. So. Well, we won't discuss the the wet woody that I was drinking. Where's the Doritos? Or the four ounces of Bacardi you have mixed into that. Doritos. You can't eat Doritos while we're talking, but they're there. Well, Sue, so you uh, you struck a nerve with my road trip mentality. You know, there's nothing like a cooler with some Diet Coke. Hey, here come the comments. What else is in the bottle, Rob? The, I, yeah, nothing else. Is pure Diet Coke. <laughs> I. Uh, it's funny. Whenever my my dad hated Coca Cola. Uh, and he he likes to tell the story of the when he was in the navy, the water was so bad in India that they brushed their teeth with Coca Cola on the ship. This is back in the forties. <laughs> so anyway, uh, we digress significantly. So the, the labor force is always changing, Rich, and people are always you know dying. They're always coming into the labor force. They're always changing jobs. I mean, just look at the changes that we've seen in mortgage banking. Tens of thousands of people have been laid off in the last year. Uh, and, you know, they're not all wandering around the streets with signs. They're not all, you know, driving for Uber. A lot of them find very valuable careers. When I talk to people who are in senior management positions who have had to lay people off and it's a terrible thing to do, the good news is the job market is very strong. And that's one of the problems that the Fed is dealing with. It's that the, the Fed's rate increases really have not impacted the job market too much. You don't want to, you don't want to turn the screws so tight that everybody uh, gets laid off, or, or you know we end up in a depression, of course. But a lot of those people who are being released from the mortgage banking world are finding very valuable jobs, good jobs in places like Charles Schwab, insurance companies, pension funds, other financial service sector jobs. That, that can use that skill set. So 
the turnover in our industry is 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 bad. I mean, it's it's we knew it was going to we knew it was going to come. You know, everybody staffed up to handle the volume of 2021, and we knew that couldn't last. And so we knew these these days would come. But those people are, are changing jobs into a into a, a good job market. And there's a lot of financial sector jobs out there for them. So the job market is always changing. Yeah, a lot of people have died from COVID. And I certainly don't mean to minimize that. But you also have people coming into the job market. And there is an aging population. You know, baby boomers think they're special. It's like, oh, my gosh, you know, baby boomers, you know, we're just the, the, the you know, blah, blah, blah. Gen Z, we're just the blah, blah, blah. Millennials, we're just the blah, blah, blah. Everybody's special. Uh, but the the baby boomers are aging out, certainly of our industry. I mean, do you really want to deal with a 75 or 80-year-old loan officer? Probably not, um, or an underwriter in that age. So new blood is coming in. The labor market is always changing. And I think the Fed has a pretty good idea about how, how that's changing and why, and, and uh, we'll, we'll act accordingly. Sue, Sue are you? I was, I was going to ask Sue, with National MI, uh, I don't know if National MI is hiring or not, but when you go out to hire, are you, how do you find, besides putting a job ad in my commentary, uh, <laughs> how, how do you find new employees at National MI? Is it word of mouth? Is it a career site you have on your website? Is it, you know, Yeah, I think it's, for, depending upon what the position is, but I think first um, they try to, to go within our network and see if there's not anybody that's already working here, but who we know that may be a fit. And that's that's always been something that our lenders um, have come to us with too, to help them while they're looking for people. Unfortunately now, yeah, nobody's really hiring op staff. And, and funny enough, you mentioned, you know, gig economy workers, because at the end of November, I was in San Diego and my Uber driver was, recently a loan processor who had just been laid off and <laughs> I know and so we were chatting about that and she was a loan officer assistant and then moved into processing but um but I told yeah. her I, said, you, I t- keep doing this and she has she has a kid so it's flexible for her but I'm like get back in the mortgage business at some point because if you can make it through this then you're going to be golden yeah I would say it'll be interesting to see and we've already seen some of this, but it'll be interesting to see how agencies and correspondent investors react to changes in the job in the job in the job world. Because you talk about the gig economy, you talk about people with a couple of jobs. Uh, uh, you know, you talk about people who you know. Rich mentioned uh, you know the side hustle. Uh, which has kind of a little bit of a negative connotation there, Rich, but I understand being from Twinsburg, you probably got a lot of that going on there. But nonetheless, the from an underwriting perspective, how do you standardize some of these sources of income, some of these job changes, you know, the, the career, the person who graduates from high school, then goes to college and then graduates from college and gets a job at IBM or Xerox or something for the next 20 or 30 years, and applies for a loan after three years or five years with that steady income, and they're not doing other things. I won't say that they're they're an endangered species, but certainly things have shifted, and underwriting standards have to change. And we've already seen a little bit of that with regard to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and looking at rent, 
for example, rent payments, uh, which I think most underwriters will tell you are, are just a fabulous way of gauging whether a borrower is going to make their mortgage payments or not. But have you seen, Sue, any kind of shift in terms of the the the, the, the job, the nature of, of looking at borrowers themselves and underwriting those various jobs? Yes. And I think one, one important thing to mention is as it relates to MI and, and, and borrowers having various sources of income, that the underwriters make sure that they don't stop giving them credit for income when they qualify they have to give them credit for all of that because DTI is now a part of MI pricing, has been for the past two years. And that is often the most common reason why an MI factor changes. But I think some old school underwriters, well, maybe I don't need this. And I think loan officers have been trained to less is better in the way of paperwork because with more documentation could come more questions. <laughs> But um, but I, I don't personally underwrite files. I never have. But just anecdotally hearing, you know, those kinds of stories from lenders and then, of course, internally from our own underwriters when we do get files to underwrite. Some good stuff in the chat. Uh, some jokes about pension funds. Uh, Rob, is that what you use to pay for your uh, your rotary phone and your eight track player? That was one of the Actually, I just made that up. But uh um, some good comments in the uh, Q&A. There are numerous creditors that don't report right away and the lenders suffer. BMW and Tesla, two of them specifically noted, because the debt monitoring would have no way to capture it. We've had loans. The creditor didn't report for a good one to two months. So we had no idea. Definitely consistent with what Sue said, what we've been hearing for our members. So as a lender right now in this type of climate, very important to have as much control and handle around that issue as possible. Also a nice note about National MI, saying NMI has been a great resource for us for recommendations for those who need to hire for specific positions. Their reps have a lot of connections and no unemployed people looking for work. So nice comment in the chat about NMI. And uh, Sue, the, um, the, that part of it. So like, you know, I mean, I go back, you know, to when we were working together and um, you know, it was it was a different climate for MI companies. Now it's you know it's all kind of custom pricing, and you're working more on a borrower to borrow or an LO to LO basis, um, and was different from the way that it was you know back in the day. And uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I would just I'd welcome your perspective on it as somebody that's been in the industry in a long time and has great perspective. Well, I think like anything, there's good and bad about it, but I think there's more good that came out of more granular risk-based pricing versus a traditional rate card. I, I mean, for example, the DTI alone, you may have a borrower that doesn't necessarily have a 760 credit score, but if they have a 20 DTI, that's going to help offset that. So there is, um, I think, more advantages for, for borrowers who... The, the younger generation, whether it's millennials or Gen Z, I was also reading that they don't have traditional credit cards in the way that Gen X does or baby boomers. So they probably have thin credit files, if any, maybe not as strong of score. So I think all of those things contribute to allowing, you know, the MI companies to pass along tools that will help lenders. And it ultimately results in lower rates. I know you've had 
some of the other preferred MI companies on here. And it is a common theme that MI is cheaper now than it has ever been. And it's been that way for the past couple years. When risk-based pricing, when all the MIs finally wrote out their engines, I would get calls from loan officers that asked me, is this rate really right? Because it was much lower than what they had anticipated. But I think in addition to providing flexibility for lenders and borrowers, it helps the MI companies manage their risk too. And with the ease of doing it quickly, rather than filing a rate card in 50 states. So, and it's, if we're in a better capital position to adjust rates, that's ultimately a good thing for the lenders too. Yeah, you think about the climate right now. Um, and I mean, you talked about it at the outset, like, you know, what do you do? What does MI do? Like we help make homes more affordable. I've told the story a couple of times before my house I bought about a year and a half ago. I had 20% to put down. Thank you, GameStop. Um, and but I my one of my best friends is a loan officer. He's the type of dude that's so smart. I'm just like, figure out what's best for me. And the best thing was to put down 18%. Yeah. And a lender paid MI policy. Um, and uh, you can, you know, anybody knows me, I'm going to be looking at the numbers, uh, certainly, um, to make sure. So uh, it was a good, I think, just real world testament to MI. And, and we think about the type of climate we're going into when we get to the other side of wherever the hell we are right now. And it is a almost predominantly purchase market. It is in a market where people want desperately to buy homes, but affordability is challenged in a lot of different ways. And it is the type of climate where innovative MI companies and, you know, a lot of people, oh, you know, the MI, one of the MI, you know, like we have great MI companies in this business right now. And they are a big part of the path to prosperity, renewed prosperity for our industry. I know you agree with me because you work for an MI company, but, sure. uh, you know, any anything I missed there? No, and I think you're right. The all of all of the MIs are good, solid companies with with good people, and I'm happy to be in their company. Um, I think the the taboo of um, or the sting coming out of 2008 when MI companies weren't paying claims. I think we're finally getting through that. On occasion, you'll still come across one of those. 75-year-old, 80-year-old lenders that you guys talked about saying, and my companies don't pay claims, but uh, that's, that's really not the case anymore. And regulation has has helped that too, because there's, you know, the PMIers that we have to meet certain capital thresholds. And um, there's there's been a lot of good change in the way of, of all of that, you know, for everybody in our business. And my guess is, you know, you, you know, delinquencies are low. You guys, yeah. my company probably have some runoff, but you got really low delinquency. You got really low fraud, evidenced by the fact that my premiums are lower than they've been in a long time. You know that, you know, uh, the risk profile is solid for the MI company. So, yeah, I really look forward. I, I think you're going to see national MI and and some others. Not quite yet, but, you know, as we get, you know, down the road a little bit further, I think you're going to you're going to see the return. Um of some really innovative stuff from, you know, companies like you guys that have a, a chance to impact the point of sale. Uh, you have a chance to take that borrower that's on the fringe and get them in a house um, as to where otherwise they may not would may not be able. And that is that right there is going to be more important than ever these next three years. Yeah, definitely. And and just real quick to go back to your point with your in particular, your loan in particular, where you took MI as opposed to putting a 20% down. I've talked to a lot of loan officers about that weekly. And 
you'd be surprised though. You're fortunate because you understand this business. There are still borrowers that absolutely do not want the MI if they have 20% down. Even I had a good FICO. I had, I had 18% down. It was like the cost of a lender paper. It was like point. I don't know if you, it was like 0.1 to rate. Maybe. Yeah. yeah like, I, know. I didn't pay it. It was just in the rate. And it was paid for. I never saw it. And it was by far the best on the side-by-side. Yeah. And and actually, it reminded me, too. I was talking to a loan officer earlier this week. And I said, are you doing any fixed-rate mortgages? He works for a bank. And um, he said, surprisingly, yes, he is. When he has the ability to offer arms, even though that fixed-rate borrower is probably going to refinance anyway, it's just you can only provide the education to the borrower. They ultimately have to make their own decision. But I found that interesting too, that, you know. Yeah, well, I see my LO is in attendance. It was Sean Hadley. So if you- oh, Hey, I'll, Sean. <laughs> I'll see the NMI. Um, He's one of my homies too. Well, I'm not going to refi it. I'm at like two and a half. Yeah, all right, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. We, we continue as an industry to be given evidence that, in-person, actual, in-the-flesh loan officers, loan op- broker, whether they're brokers or work for a credit union or a bank or mortgage bank, actual people who are loan officers add, add value over just over just going to the internet and typing in mortgage, you know, best mortgage rate to get a loan. And um, I think it's very important. I, I think that that should not be lost on us as an industry how important individual originators are and continue to be. There have been so many startup mortgage companies in the eight years I've been at TMC that the, that, that they were started on the premise of no LOs. I don't know if any of them are around still. <laughs> you know, I mean, you have to, you know, the whole like, you know, humans are unnecessary. I, humans, as we saw during the pandemic, far too much in the mortgage industry for a bunch of different reasons. And we saw that all the hiring and fire, all the madness the last two years, but like the human LL, like my example is the perfect example, mm-hmm. you know, no online app or chat bot is going to be able to figure that out for me. And it was a, a hugely impactful financial event for me. So. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Hmm. Um, well, Sue, we only have a couple of minutes left here. I can't believe that. We didn't talk about Croatia, your your beloved uh, Croatians who, what a valiant, oh boy. You know, the, <laughs> Sunday a morning, Steelers Sunday fan. morning. I'm a big Browns fan and yeah, one of the Steelers fans I, I love, but uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, back and forth uh, over the years. Most of it, you know, me absorbing punishment and abuse from her, uh, but uh, with Pickett and Trubisky at the helm, you know, it feels like I'm going to be on the other side of that uh that fun the next few years so it seems that way you're gonna even up I I did look at the overall um matchups between the Browns and the Steelers and we're still ahead we have 79 wins and the Browns have 62 I think and one tie which at one point the Browns are up like 50 to 10 in that rivalry and uh you know that just tells you how much Pittsburgh's dominated the last uh several few decades but uh it, uh, it's a great rivalry. Um, we both haven't been really good at the same time for a long time. <laughs> and if people forget like what a great rivalry Brown Steelers is and, you know, if both teams aren't great. That's what you're going to have, but, uh, here's the better rivalry going forward. So. Yeah, <clears throat> I hope so for both of us. 
<laughs> sent us a funny link. Santa's house is on Zillow. I don't know. Oh, if we, yeah. Yeah. That was funny. I know uh, uh, that was a, a funny. The funniest Zillow listings to me this year were like when the homes were just selling in like one day with no inspections and people were like doing the Zillow listings like, listen, like, you know, it smells of toxic waste, you know, <laughs> asking for a hundred thousand over asking with no inspection and the funniest yeah. things. But doing the, appraisal waivers. Yes, exactly. The North Pole Santa's house listing was funny. I don't know if somebody can can link that in the chat. That that was a funny one. So yeah, that was a good one. I think they have a mother-in-law suite. Maybe maybe Rob can do the show from there someday. <laughs> Rob, he says he's in Chicago. This is actually Rob is actually at the ADU on his vast lands. <laughs> This is the ADU on Rob's property that he's on the, the 14th floor of right yeah. now. <laughs> I send out a, a, a humble free commentary every day, Rich. I don't, yeah. It's, You're one of the people that's contributing now that I think about it to these, you know, these uh these bastardized employment numbers. Do you at home newsletter guys? <laughs> You're not showing up in the labor force formally, are you? No. I don't know what I, I don't know where I show up, but uh um <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm hoping to he's got uh, find gig, this. He's got gig income. Gig income. Gig and the income, Zillow listing yeah. is now in the chat. Just, uh, All our podcast listeners that don't jump on the live, you got you got to make the live uh, broadcast. Yeah, uh, I'm just I'm just hoping to find a decent sports bar in the Chicago land area Sunday morning at nine o'clock. Oh, the best one is I was just there. Oh, any native Chicagoans, it's the best sports bar in Chicago. It's something and something. Uh, <laughs> Google <laughs> best sports bar in Chicago. I'm sure it'll come up, come right up. It's, the it's best. like typing in mortgage. It's a fairly <laughs> obvious answer, honestly. I'd be surprised if we don't see it in the chat in the next. Uh, McCormick next and week. Schmitz. Yeah, so I, I can't remember it off the top. But so, any uh, weekend uh, holiday plans, Sue? Just some, you know, last minute Christmas shopping. I've been away for two weeks. I'm so happy to be home. And now I got to get my SH together. <laughs> Rob. Uh, I don't want to swear on the call being it, it's my first time, but next time, maybe, maybe if it's okay. <laughs> you got to eat right. Tim, Timothy O'Toole's, I was way off, is the great sports bar in Chicago. I always go to Mother Hubbard's is the more grungy. Stick to the floor, uh, favorite, uh, if you like that. But uh, if you're if you're in the Chicago sports bar market, Rob, I've, seen, uh, I've, I've spent some spent some fine time being stuck to the floor. So maybe I'll have to check that out. Rob, any are you in Chicago over the weekend? Any uh, plans of note? All your Christmas shopping uh, done? No, my daughter comes in tomorrow midday after uh, wrapping up the first part of her seventh grade Catholic teaching um, year. Uh, so we're just going to do a lot of walking. Nice. And your, your other, your, your unhinged spending millennial son, Robbie, uh, who was a big part of the show this year, Rob was unavoidably detained for a stretch and Robbie very ably filled in. I think you'll see him on this show, uh, somewhat regularly, uh, in the new year, but, uh, we haven't seen Robbie in a while. How's Robbie doing? He's doing well. He's, uh, he's remodeling his house. So he's still spending money. See, he's got a. Maybe what about like this whole inflation thing? Can the U.S. do like, you know, Biden just like, hey, on January 7th, nobody can spend any money. <laughs> One day. And I think it would have a huge impact on the CPI, right? No, no. Man. Spending moratorium. 
You know me, I'm in the I'm a big fan of oversimplified plans that sound great until you Clearly. get it. Yeah. So. Rich, tell you what, why don't you uh, hold your breath for 30 seconds and, and then breathe normally after that? Well, you just, you know, your body catches up. Your spending catches up. If you don't buy your gallon of milk today, you're going to buy two gallons tomorrow. Okay. Well, anyway, all right. We're, we're losing. We're losing people. This right is not enough. Now. You start to see the attendance. Thank you very much for joining us. You, you Thank provided you for having some, me. It was a pleasure. Sanity and some normalcy to this uh, whack job show. I don't know yeah. about that, but thank you. <laughs> Many thanks to Sue. Many thanks to National MI for the partnership and all the great things we've done together. And we'll continue to do, do together. Been a great partnership. And Sue, great getting a chance to chat. Thank you for joining us this week. Good thank luck getting much. caught up on all your Christmas uh, exploits. And uh, a lot of love for you in the chat, not surprisingly. So. Oh. <clears throat> They're too kind. Thank you. Thank you guys. Oh, that's right. And there's no show next. Uh, there's we're going to do, Friday. we're going to do next Friday, just a light, you know, take you into the end of the year, 30 minute, a version of the rundown next Friday. And then uh, we're going to take the 30th off and see you on the other end of uh, the calendar year. But uh, to our attendees, thanks for joining us as always. Thanks for everybody that joined us for the 12 days of TMC record setting in this kind of year, not lost on us. Uh, uh, how much that means. So uh, been a great last three weeks and a lot of fun, a lot of knowledge shared, a lot of laughs, a lot of reminiscing about a, a year that was one for the record books in a, maybe a not a great way, but uh, uh, another year in the book. So, and as always, this industry, never know what the hell next year will bring. So Sue, as always, great seeing you. You too. And Rob, Thank until you. next Friday. And then you get a two week break for me. So ciao. Don't miss you. <laughs> secretly all right have a great uh, weekend everyone take you care too. Bye. bye everybody for more information about how you can get involved with tmc connect and witness the power of the network firsthand please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com